0: Hey Boulevard Church, this is Pastor Wes here. I miss y'all's faces so freaking much. You look handsome or beautiful today, uh, depending on whichever one you want to be. Um, Kevin, you look incredibly beautiful today. See, you're part of the message now. Um, but no, it's so good to see everyone. I'm really excited as we're continuing uh, through our year-long series on our three pillars. Uh, Boulevard Church is a church uh, that believes it needs to be built on a personal relationship with Jesus and growing your personal relationship with Jesus, a personal relationship with our local body of believers, and growing the local body of believers, and reaching out to the lost and broken. Um, we believe that um, evangelism, your secret place, and your personal relationship with your community, uh, I believe absolutely that without those three three things, you are radically missing an aspect of something that God wants for you. Uh, But as we pursue those three things, we will always land into doing the things God has called us to do. And so we've been calling this series, the three pillars, because it's the three pillars of our church. Um, We spent the last four months, January, February, March, and April, really focusing in on that first pillar, your personal relationship with God. We called it First Love. If you haven't watched any of those yet, I recommend you go back and watch all of them. I vouch for all of them. They're beautiful. They're amazing. God is good. He was speaking. Uh, But we're in a series now on the local church, the second pillar of Boulevard Church. And we've been calling this series Heart for the house it's so important that when we come together we don't come together thinking okay this is my call this is what I want to do and I'm not gonna be a part of these believers unless they push me to where I want to go no we need to have a heart for the house we come together to pick something up together we humble ourselves and we die to ourselves to carry something as a community as a body of Christ uh, there's been a lot going on in the country there's been a lot going on in this city there's been a lot going on with sicknesses and riots and um, Um, a whole bunch of things where it just seems like the temptation is to fall into a little ball and hide from society Uh, but we believe that God wants us to do more than that and we're still called to grow In this season Uh, so kind of with this in mind it's kind of a bounce off of what I talked about last week um, but with no political undertones at all Um, the name of my sermon today is just simply this why I believe small groups matter Um, again the sermon is just titled why I believe small groups matter so for the next however many minutes and however many seconds I just want to talk to you guys about why I believe small groups matter why they're important to your walk uh, why that if we avoid small groups we are missing radical components of our Christian walk before God. And so, um, I want to read 10 verses to you today. 10 verses out of six different sections of Scripture. Now, normally at this point, I would tell you, hey, open up your Bibles and turn with me in your Bibles. Uh, But I'm going to be jumping around Scripture like crazy right now. And so I would say just look at the big Bible on the screen. uh, Write down the verses so you can check my context later because I always recommend you study on everything I preach about and not just blindly believe it. Um, And if you're having a hard time keeping up with the verses, uh, what I would say is uh, we'll have the link down in the the comments below and uh, this link can get you to the you version app and when you click it it'll open up and it, we already have all the Bible verses everything I'm preaching on will be already set up for you because of Tina Willis my girl she killing the game out there making it possible for us to all look at the verses being used so I recommend you click it uh, without further ado I'm gonna jump on into why I believe small groups matter Ready? Um, Acts chapter 2, verse 46 to 47 says, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, again, what am I focusing in on? Uh, That they were breaking bread in their homes. Um, Right? They, They would attend temple. And then they would go into their homes and break bread together um, next is acts chapter 5 verse 42 which says and every day in the temple and from house to house they did not cease teach teaching and preaching that christ is jesus i would think it's jesus is christ that's funny um sorry i, just, I don't know why i just noticed that um, but again every day in the temple and from house to house they did not cease teaching and we're going to jump to Acts chapter 20 verse 18 to 20 and it says and when they came to him he said to them and him is Paul you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews how I did not shrink from declaring to you everything that was profitable teaching you in public and from house to house uh, Philemon chapter 1 verses 1 to 2 says this Paul a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy our brother to Philemon our beloved worker and apthea a apothea up apothea Christian our sister and a cryptus. guys I'm embarrassed I don't know how to pronounce these words Acrippus, like a crip? a, a-, a-, a a fellow soldier ready and the church in your house so this letter was written to three people and a home church uh first corinthians 16 19 says the churches of asia send you greetings aquila and Prisca- priscilla priscilla man what is happening today guys pray for pastor west just pray just put your hands out and say god help him i mean i'm filming this beforehand so i don't know how that works but i'm trusting that your prayers will fly backwards to me and that God will be good. Uh, the church of Asia send you greetings, Aquila and Priscilla, together with the church in their house, send you hearty greetings in the Lord. Again, in the house. And lastly, Colossians 4, 15 says, give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. Nympha's got a home church. Amen? Uh, so I just read you a conglomerate of verses. Uh, really, all we're focusing it on is how come these people would have these large group gatherings and then move into the homes? Right, why does Boulevard Church do small groups? Uh, because we believe we're supposed to go from large group gatherings Into homes, right? Paul would say we taught in the temple and then house to house. This to the whole church and the church in your home, right? These constant conversations. Uh, Why did the church run like that? Why is it so important? And why do I think that even though this was two thousand years ago and the church should be progressing? Why do I believe that even though we are progressing as a church, we shouldn't progress past the necessity for home churches, which is what we call small groups or actually neighborhood groups. Hashtag neighborhood groups. Amelia, put. The, put the logo up neighborhood groups boom bam wow awesome oh my god right so amazing so i'm gonna pray us in and then we are gonna talk about jesus and talk about the importance of small groups and if you're not in a neighborhood group uh message of the church and we will get you in one uh because just so you guys know i will not be doing q a's after service anymore uh the reason being <gasps> dun, 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 the reason being uh is because I want us to start breaking into our small groups, whether through Zoom or meeting in person after church on Sunday. And so it wouldn't work if I did Q&A while you should be with your small groups. Uh, If you're not in a small group, sign up. We will get you in one right now. We will get you connected with one right now so that after service, you can join the Q&As being led by the leaders of the small groups. Um, With that being said, I'm going to pray as in. um, And I love you guys. You guys are awesome. And God is good. Dear Lord in heaven, help me preach. Um, Help me be focused on you. Anything that I want to say that's just, me god i pray that we would remove that and then i wouldn't speak out of anything for my own desires but i would be led by you and you alone god i thank you because you're good i thank you because you're gracious i thank you because you gave us an example of how to grow as a body together so lord we thank you for that and we walk in that and in jesus name i pray amen you can take the logo down now i'm just kidding i hope it was already down But if it wasn't, story time. Um, So uh, I wanna tell you guys something that's been going on with my son, right? And then we're gonna connect this to the story because you know that's how we do around here. Um, My little son, Titus, he's starting to crawl now, which is awesome, but it's not at the same time. Uh, So he does this thing, when he first started crawling, he actually was getting up on his hands and knees and moving around. And then a day or two later, he started something different instead of crawling on his hands and knees, he started laying on the floor and just kind of wiggling. And and so instead of crawling, this kid like, just wiggles to where he wants to go. It's like an army crawl, like, you know, where they have, like, the barbed wire and they're, like, crawling underneath and he, like, sticks his little butt up and then he straightens it out and he, like, does, like, a little inchworm thing. It's just freaking adorable. Uh, but he doesn't get where he wants to go as fast as he was if he's crawling, right? And so I was kind of curious about that, watching my son choose to not crawl like a, like a person or a bear, but rather choose to, like, be in the military, right? Um, and so thinking that he wasn't as fast as he should have been, I kind of just watched him wiggle like a worm on the floor. It was hilarious, honestly. Um, and he's like making, he's like, uh, he's all mad. He's like eating the carpet every time he moves because he's like, "Oh!" and I don't know what he's doing. Um, and he just looks like a little inchworm. It's freaking adorable. But it's also like, like it's a lack of progress. Like I'm, I'm embarrassed. Like I'm like, son, like people know that you're my child. Like when they see this, what are they gonna think about me, right? Um, but I have a bookshelf. I like to keep it in my my living room hallway so when people come over like oh wow he really studies his bible right so i have a bookshelf right there in the hallway and titus inchwormed over to it he grabbed a hold of it and he yanked And what happened was this whole bookshelf started to fall on my son. There is a big potted plant that would kill a grown man if it hit them in the head. And it started sliding towards his head. I absolutely panicked. And I ran across the room and before anything landed on him, I grabbed everything and I slammed it back against the wall. I had like this weird dad moment of like tunnel vision where I got across the room so quickly, I don't know how. Like it was just like the Lord, like I feel like I flew. And I, I got to him before anything landed on him, right? I'm terrified my heart's beating I looked at all the books on my bookshelf and I was like I'm done I'll never read another book again right like I just had that tunnel vision and so I went and bought a kindle uh paperwhite so I can put all my books digitally because that way if they fall on my son it'll be uncomfortable but at least he won't die right you ever just have that tunnel vision where you don't see the world you know and like now that I'm calmed down I'm like I'm going to keep reading books. I'm going to keep buying books. Uh, but I have this nice Kindle paperweight now, and now I can read at night. And it's just, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, but we take my son to the doctor. Not because anything landed on him, because Super Dad saved the day. Um, and, and he's been getting a physical therapist, right? Not because anything's wrong with him, but because he's got to get a helmet, because he's like a little conehead baby. He's like my little alien baby. He's really cute, but he but i don't. we were just talking about this uh me amelia and christina because they're right here behind the camera we were just talking about i don't know if you ever seen the movies the cone head movies about the aliens that have the cone heads right like my son is like a part of that family and he showed up with his his, his little cone head and the back of his head's flat and it's not getting any rounder and and again people know he's my son so we we can't we can't be like that so we're actually getting him a little baby helmet so that his head grows right uh, and but before he can do that he has to have two months of physical therapy and so the guy was talking to us about our son and he was actually saying that titus is progressing very quickly mentally and physically just not cone coneheadily but everything else is progressing just fine. He actually said that he's ahead of most kids his age in how fast he's moving and how fast he's registering and how fast he's thinking. So I'm like, you know, puffed up down. Like, yeah, my kid's smarter than every other kid in the world. My kid's special, and no, one other, no other kid is special at all, right? But he, he looked at Titus doing his little bear crawl, doing his little army swivel, and he said, does he not know how to crawl? And I remember we were talking to the doctor and I was telling him, no, he totally does. I've seen him do it. He just prefers to lay on his belly and use his arms and legs. And the doctor said it's because his arms and legs are really strong, but his core isn't strong. And so when he pushes up, he has to use his core a lot. And he said, what your son did is he learned a way to not have to train his core, but to still get around. And what the doctor was telling us was when kids do that, he said, typically it'll be harder for them to walk. It'll be harder for them to learn to get up and learn to sit up. And he said that even though your son has progressed and started moving around quicker than the average baby does, he's hindered himself from growing correctly in the future. Isn't it so interesting how that happens that Titus is progressing well, but he's progressing in such a way that it will hinder his future growth. And um, if I can just bullheadedly and unashamedly connect that to today's sermon i really believe that's what happens if we show up on a sunday if we're tithing if we're worshiping if we're listening to the message and we're taking notes and then after the sermon we're not connecting with brothers and sisters we're not a part of a small group we're not getting pushed and pressured i think what's happening is, is we're learning in some aspects to be christians but our core isn't being trained and so we're growing in such a way that will hinder our future growth let me ask you a lot of people i would say there are a lot of christians who show up on a sunday but they aren't in small groups and typically they're not as passionate if you haven't been to your small group in the last two or three weeks let me ask you how often have you read your bible in the last two or three weeks i think many of us would say You know what? Honestly, not as much as I should. And I would directly equate it to you're not being challenged by your brothers and sisters. You're doing exactly what my son is doing. We're growing the right Christian way. We're we're, we're in church. We're worshiping God. We're seeking him first. But we're not being challenged and we're avoiding the core. We're avoiding challenging the spot that God wants to get stronger so that later we can walk upright with strength. the reason why I want to draw attention to small groups being so important is because there are three distinct moments maybe in history. There's a much more than that, but I want to use three to talk about this. Uh, that um, Jesus, God... And Moses seemed to do a thing where they would have large groups and then they would pull aside a small group, right? So we see Jesus who would preach to thousands of people at a time, but then he went up on a mountain and he prayed and he took in 12 specific people. Why? Because you will never learn and things will never grow if they're only in large group settings. Uh, Things sometimes can't be taught. We can't be challenged. We can't grow. We can't get better unless we're in those smaller group settings. And so Jesus took it upon himself first and foremost to pull 12 men aside and begin to pour into them so they could establish a church. And as we read in the book of Acts, once these churches started to grow, they didn't stay in large groups, they broke into smaller home churches that were led by people such as Aquila and Priscilla and Nympha, right? And all these other crazy names that I don't even want to try to pronounce because I feel like I'm going to offend somebody. but you see the difference right that they would have the home group and they would have the large group they would come together as an assembly um with 10 15 20 people and they would come together as an assembly of hundreds and hundreds of people and they didn't pick one or the other the christians did both jesus would have his multitudes but he would have his 12. Um, Later we see that um, Moses is in the wilderness and his his father-in-law comes to visit him. And Jethro comes up and he says, Moses, how's it going? How you doing? And Moses is like, I'm doing great. Um, God has freed Israel, amen. Hallelujah, God is good. And Jethro rejoices with him. And Jethro says like, how are you leading these people? And Moses sits down on a chair and it says from the time the sun comes up to the time the sun comes down, Moses would sit and people would come and bring their grievances to him. So Moses would spend 12 hours a day just leading large groups of people. And Jethro looks at him and says, hey, what you're doing is hindering these people. He says, what you need to do is hire people that are over hundreds get people that are over 50, get people that are over 10s. And so that the big issues only come to you, but everything else is being led by these people. And Moses began that, and he saw it as wisdom. And so when we look at large group settings, what do we see in the Bible? Well, we see that large group settings are for getting a message out, but they're not for us growing as people. They're there for us to get on the same page, but a large group setting isn't there for us to be discipled, for us to get built up, for us to get stronger. These large group settings, again, they're directional, right? I'm preaching today on small groups, and if we leave and don't get in a small group, what was the point of the large group gathering? There was no point to it. We have to begin to apply what we learn, but application comes in your day-to-day, and Pastor West can't be with you in your day-to-day. But a small group of five to ten people can be with you in your day-to-day, and not only can they, but biblically they should be with you. Every day, day And we even see that with God in Israel. Uh, when God called his people, he broke them into 12 distinct tribes. He didn't uh, have them be a large group that came to him. He had them break into groups that had leaders, that had homes, that had villages, uh, right? And these people would come to one group to go before God, right? And so God even broke his own people down into smaller sections so that people could better govern each other. They could better look after each other. They could better know what they need to pray about and stand with each other. And they we know that everyone had a position and, and a role in the society. Uh, that's so important to us. And so what I would say is just like with Titus, again, my cute little baby boy, who is hindering his own growth by taking the easy way out. I think so often we treat Sunday as, oh, yeah, I did good. I threw my tithe in the tithe bucket and I'm good. But no, we're, we're missing the thing that's going to help us grow later. And so why do I think small groups matter? I've only got three points and they're actually very quick. Uh, what's the time at? Almost 20 minutes. Almost 20 minutes? Cool. I'm shooting for a 30-minute message here, and I think I can do it. Ready? Uh, the three points I have to kind of wrap up this message before you get in your small groups and just talk with each other. Because, guys, Boulevard church won't grow because Pastor Wes is a good preacher. Honestly, I won't let it, even if it wanted to get that way. I don't want us to get big because our church services are so amazing. I want Boulevard Church to grow because a group of people in small groups throughout the city are desperately caring for each other, and that kind of loving, small segment of people begin to impact neighborhoods. Because remember, our saying is, we are on your street and we're in your city. Boulevard Church was never, it's, it doesn't exist to be a gathering place for Christians to show up on Sunday and then live their day-to-day lives after that. Boulevard Church has always been a place for us to be together day in and day out and put our feet to the streets of the city. that so desperately needs us. Uh, so three reasons I think small groups are pivotal. Thing number one, we need to be Discipled. Uh, I've met many Christians. Uh, like, I was at the church LV, right? This is the best example I could use. I was at the church LV, and Pastor Benny leads a church of about 3,000 to 6,000, depending on what year you're there, right? Thousands of people. And we would meet people and talk with people, and they'd say, Yeah, Pastor Benny disciples me, and he's my discipler. And it's like, Have you ever met with him? Right? Uh, no, but he, you know, he disciples me on Sundays. It's not actually Pastor Benny's fault because they have small groups at the church LV. So they actually set up a place for people to get discipled. They created a, an atmosphere for people to get poured into on an individual level. Um, but so often we think we're being discipled because we're listening to someone, right? Like, oh yeah, I'm being discipled by this person because I listen to their podcast every week. That's not discipleship. See, ready? I want to say this. Uh, the Bible says, make disciples of all the nations, right? That's in Matthew chapter 20. And, and this is something that I wrote down. Uh, you cannot produce something you are not. Um, I don't think anyone read the Bible and assume that what Christians are supposed to do are be people who sit down and listen to a message once a week, and that's all they do. I don't think anyone would say, yep, yeah, that's biblical. There's not a single person that would read the Bible and say, yep, yeah, uh, Sunday service, you're a Christian. Right? There's more to that. And so if we're people who sit, listen, and then don't do more, then we'll produce more people that sit, listen, and don't do more. And I think that's why the church kind of looks like it does in modern America. Right? Because we've just produced houses that produce listeners. Right, people who just come in, uh, almost like consumers. We've treated the church like consumerism, like a show, like something we interact with once a week. We pay for the great show and the great message, where we get built up, and then we go back to our day-to-day lives. Uh, but those people aren't. Well, that's not discipleship. Discipleship is something more. Discipleship is what Jesus told us. Is what he showed us. Where he created people. 12 people who came together that he would openly rebuke, that he would eat with, that he would pour into, that he would pray over, that he would answer their questions and be with them regardless of their needs every single day. See, Jesus discipled. And so you cannot produce something you are not. And so if we're not being discipled, we cannot create disciples and so the first thing of reason for a small group is our need to be discipled we have uh, five small groups I trust William and uh, William and Amelia to run the youth um, small group I trust that they because they are being discipled they will disciple those kids and teach them to disciple I trust Eric and Zach to run the men's group I trust that these men are being discipled by two men that are being discipled I trust Christina and my wife to um, run the women's ministry the women's small group um, and i trust that we'll have more women small groups because they start to build up people who start discipling other people and so we have to start splitting the groups apart and i trust uh pastor thomas and jesse well i kind of trust you i'm just kidding um to actually build people up. And same with Pastor John and Elder Andrea, like these people running their small groups. The reason they're running small groups is because I know they're getting discipled. And I know that they, what they will produce is more people who will get discipled. First Corinthians 11, one says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. When Paul was talking to the Corinthian church, the church that he established and planted, he said, be like me. And, and I think that so often we'll, under, we'll misunderstand the importance of that. And the reason why I think it's Important that we understand the importance of that is because that's actually not something that's just in that one verse it's all over the bible in the book of hebrews the writer says remember your leaders consider their lives and imitate their faith in first corinthians chapter 4 uh, he says i urge you to be imitators of me right and in philippians paul says imitate me watch those who walk according to the example you have in us so he doesn't just say hey imitate Um, don't just imitate your apostle. He's saying also imitate your leaders with you. So he's saying, imitate me and imitate your pastors. So I'm saying imitate me, but I'm also saying imitate your small group leaders and the people who are discipling you just like Philippians. just some examples in my life. When I was a baby Christian, nope, didn't even know Jesus yet, Pastor Jabin, who was the lead pastor of City Light, took me to a retreat. Um, he, he was preaching at a retreat, and so he took me to it, and that was one of my first interactions with Christianity. Later, when I find Jesus, the late and great Pastor Paul, began to meet with me weekly and pour the Bible into me, and he began to teach me, hey, you need to get discipled on a more intimate level. So then I saw, I, I'm in this intern program where Pastor Stephen is running all of us, and I'm realizing he's pouring into me, but something more intimate needs to happen. That leads me to a man named Eric Burr. He's a pastor now, where he discipled me every single day uh, through the entirety of the rest of the time that I was at um, the Church LV. Through that also, uh, I started getting uh, mentored by Pastor Daniel when I joined his leadership team. He was the youth pastor of the Church LV. I actually, to this day, run our leadership team exactly like he ran his leadership team. I love the breakdown. I love the pouring in. I love the, the way that he emphasized growing the leaders so that they would take small groups and grow those people into leaders, I think it was so biblical and so beautiful that it radically impacted me to this day. And, and when uh, the Vine Church started falling apart, right, and, and uh, I, I had to pick it up and we started creating Boulevard Church and people rose up with me and I was so afraid and so alone, I didn't know how to handle things, Pastor Zach came into my life and he walked me through that difficult season. I only survived these seasons, not because of people to my left and to my right, but because of leaders above me, that created such an example, that produced such life and excitement in me, that when I saw the way they lived their lives, I was almost rebuked because I was like, man, i want to live like they live. I want to imitate them because I love how hungry they are for God. I love how well they lead. I love their prayer lives. I love how they speak about God and how they think about him. And so I submitted myself under these people. And what happens is it teaches me to better disciple because I am being discipled by great leaders. Amen, um, amen, hallelujah. Christina, give me a shout. Amen. Amelia, give me a shout. Amen. Titus, give me a shout. Rebellious child. Um, second, we're gonna dive into the next thing is our need for other people. Listen, I know people that, will, that won't that attend small groups, but they'll say, oh, but I meet with my leader. That's not enough. See, uh, you're not just in a small group to personally get discipled. You also need other people to pour into you because let's face it, um, Pastor Zach helps me a lot, uh, but Pastor Thomas helps keep me pure, right? There's a difference in the relationship who dodged that joke like a, oh my gosh god is so good uh, but our need for other people uh, hebrews chapter 10 verses 24 to 25 says this and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near i love what paul says he says let us consider think about how can we stir up other people listen to this the people on my left and to my right the people that are my brothers and sisters in Christ not people I'm leading not people that are leading me but the people that I'm linking arms with those people are called to consider how to stir me up in faith and love. That means you're a small group, right? Not only are you supposed to stir them up, they're supposed to stir you up. It's this biblical concept that God wants us to not just stir people up. He wants us to think about it, pray about it. How can I bring more passion to the people around me? How can I have a desire to grow people and build them? Not because I'm their leader, but because we're friends that we're going to grow together. I love that. Let us consider how to stir one another up, considering it, thinking on it, pondering on it. How can you add To your small group um but better yet because this is about your need for other people how can your small group add to you um it's almost you can't separate the two but i'm going to um because my next point is how other people need us but you can't really separate that we need people and they need us it's kind of an unseparatable point we have to just begin to stir each other up And we have to consider the possibilities. Do you pray for people throughout the week? Do you pray about, okay, when I see them, how would I encourage them? How would I speak life to them? How would I stir them up? And guys, we need to do that for each other because here's the thing. I need you guys to stir me up. Um, if I don't have people stirring me, I get complacent. It's just the kind of person that I am. I need the push. I need the shock. I need the shove. I'm in desperate need for that. And so when I have Pastor Thomas challenging me in a good way, um, or I have my wife challenging me in a good way, or when I was leading a small group and just so we can get like totally um um, Real up in here. I was running a small group, and I was radically addicted to pornography. Uh, and I would—I I remember a moment where one of the kids in my small group grabbed my phone and turned on the internet and saw the last thing that I had been watching. And um, what happened was. Um, people just kind of brushed it under the rug. No one talked about it because people were too afraid to challenge their leader. Uh, but Anthony, a dear friend of mine, he's a, the youth pastor of the, called the Compass Church out in Texas. He pulled me aside. He took me on a long walk and he talked with me. He stirred me up. He rebuked me for being ridiculous and saying, if you're going to lead, you have to get over this stuff. You can't get, you know, but also while encouraging me, speaking life to me, reminding me of my call and who I am in God. And that is one of the moments that helped break me out of these struggles and the reason why it broke me out was because a person was so willing and I needed him it was I was praying I was seeking God and yet I couldn't break through because God was sending someone to bring the words to me that was going to break me through I needed Anthony to overcome that moment and later, I started getting really, really lazy. Uh, and I remember Tony, uh, he, he was my youth group leader. Uh, but after, by this time, we were just friends. And he pulled me aside and uh, while I was working for him. And he told me, he goes, I, the way you work, you're better than that. The way you're carrying yourself, you're better than that. And he actually sent me home three days off with no pay from the work I was working because he wanted me to think about the way I was carrying myself and the way I was representing myself. And I'll tell you, that moment was so important. It gave me a... it was a paradigm shift in my life that if i didn't have a friend who was willing to have hard conversations with me who was willing to stir me up in good works and build my faith i mean i don't even know how i would have been able to handle this church because it was before all that stuff and that mindset is the thing that walked me into boulevard church and having to begin to set up behind the scenes and i know i'm i'm kind of just talking about my personal stories but that's the reason i i am is because i i'm only where i am because i had friends that stood with me i I didn't have to fight things alone i didn't have to figure things out by myself i was being stirred up in love and we got to stir each other up as well and lastly uh, i know i already mentioned it but i'll just say it again Uh, other people need us Um, if you're not going to your small group there is someone missing out because you're not there Um, that's not some cheesy saying that's a biblical truth um, and I also want to tell you, you cannot fulfill the law of God. You cannot be a good follower of Jesus unless you're going out of your way to, stirring up, to stir up your brothers and sisters. Galatians 6.2 says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Do you hear that? As you bear one another's burdens, then you fulfill the law of Christ. How can you bear the burdens of people you never see? How can you bear the burdens of people you never talk to? How could you bear the burdens of people you never sit with you never just talk about jesus or have a cup of coffee with and so you can't tell me you're fulfilling the calling god has on your life because unless you're bearing people's burdens and loving them and stirring them up we're not fulfilling the call of god this is only possible in small groups the reason why it's only possible in small groups is because that's how god established it through the uh through the original church through Jesus and his disciples, through Moses and Jethro, and even through God and Israel, and many more examples in scripture. This group of people coming together, that is what fulfills the law of Christ. As we pray with each other, rebuke each other, stand by each other, um, build each other up, um, and really just speak life and encourage each other. If we're not doing those things or having those things done to us, we are missing a radical aspect of what God has for us. That is why neighborhood groups exist. That is why they matter. And that is why they're important. And by the way, it's why you matter. And why you're important. Um, kind of as I wrap this up. And I hope you guys just talk to your small group. Honestly, I hope today is just like a love fest. Of like why you appreciate your small group. You know, but I think so many of us think that we don't have anything we can add to our groups. We Or, or honestly, I get torn because I see some people just don't like to listen to authority. We have rebellion issues. Um, some people... Um, don't like to have to uh, get challenged by other people um we we're kind of prideful but some people think that we don't have things we can add to people um and the story that always comes to mind when i think about these things is the woman at the well I've told this story a bunch of times because it's so significant in my life. um, That this woman is at a well, she gives her life to Jesus, Jesus preaches to her, he converts her to her Christianity, right? She is essentially, based off of uh, context, most people and most scholars believe this woman was a prostitute. They believe she was a whore. They believe she sold herself for money because of the time that she was out, right? And so I love a a preacher that I really love, his name's Damon Thompson. He says in one conversation Jesus turned a a woman from a whore into an evangelist. And this woman who doesn't know theology, doesn't know scripture, doesn't know the Bible, um, hasn't gotten any formal education, isn't one of the rabbis who spent 30 years preparing to be a teacher. She runs from Jesus into a city and brings the message of Jesus and the entire city comes to Jesus and hears his message. Um, This woman converted an entire church, she she converted an entire city, um, hours after hearing the message of Jesus um, you have more to add than you think your testimony is enough to change lives what you've been through is enough to change lives just telling someone you love them or just being a shoulder to cry on it's enough to shake the world Uh, it's it's a dumb little saying but you know that if you you've probably seen the movies or the saying about the butterfly wings that if a butterfly wings flaps differently in the past it radically alters the future And so like they'll make movies about like going in the past and and changing things and it it causes ripple effects so that all of the future radically changes because of one little change um it's kind of cheesy but i had someone say like we talk about the philosophy of what it'd be like to change the past that if we change one little thing the future radically changes but then we don't ponder and consider that means if i do one little thing now i can radically alter The future um rather than going back in the past and changing things what if we could change this moment and how would this one moment how would the butterfly wings how would the butterfly effect how would the ripple effect from you just letting someone cry on your shoulder what kind of future could that create you know you hear the story of billy graham's conversion billy graham who preached and millions of people came to jesus because of billy graham um the preacher who preached at his um the preacher that preached the sermon that Billy Graham gave, gave his life to, that preacher only had one convert that whole night. It was Billy Graham, right? And so what he saw as an insignificant moment radically altered the entire future. Um, it's actually, you know what? I just want to read this. I had no intentions of reading it, so forgive me. Um, I, I, hopefully I can just find it quickly. And there's no problems and no one has to die um, or hate the world. Or anything like that I've read this to you guys before but I'm gonna read it again uh, one salesman And Sunday school teacher Edward Kimball led a young man named Dwight to Christ. Dwight Moody became a blazing evangelist who, it is said, led one million souls to Christ in his short lifetime. Wilbur Chapman received the assurance of his salvation after talking to Moody and went on to become a noted evangelist himself. The drunken baseball player Billy Sunday was an assistant to Chapman before becoming the most famous evangelist of his day. One of the fruits of uh, of Sunday's ministry was the forming of a group of Christian businessmen in Charlotte, north carolina this group brought the evangelist mordecai ham to charlotte in 1934 a tall awkward youth named billy graham was converted during those meetings according to his staff as of 1993 more than 2.5 million people have stepped forward at his crusades to accept jesus as their personal savior millions of souls trace their spiritual lineage back to the influence of one man a simple sunday school teacher edward kimball um you could be that you could easily be that. For all we know, one of the people in our small groups that is depressed, stuck on drugs, that is out sleeping outside of marriage, that doesn't even believe in Jesus really, but just shows up because they feel like they have to, that person, if you're just simply a voice of encouragement in their life, they could go change the world. But think about that. You could change the world if just the right people come and speak into your life as well. Um, sorry if I'm rambling. Um, this message is important to me. And I have those moments, I talk about them frequently, where it's like, I can't, I don't want to ever be a these messages i don't want to get emotional because i don't want you to respond in emotions i want you to respond because the bible says jesus is guiding us and the holy spirit is saying this is the kind of person we need to be people that are submitted to authority people that are dedicated to pouring into others and people that are willing and teachable enough to let others pour into them as well Uh, that produces people that change the world so church i love you um i will not be going live contact your small group leader (laughs) and i'll see you next week